Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Madiba. If you happen to be in our area, you are most welcome to visit us. You'll surely feel at home. We appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We hope today's sermon will be edifying to you, your family, and your friends. Welcome.
Amen. I greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you to the worship team, musicians. While they make their way back to their seats, I would just like to take this opportunity to acknowledge Pastor. Um, it's never easy to fill these shoes. Um, I had a discussion with some of the brothers once, and the one brother said um, he thinks he'll just be able to greet everyone and then his sermon will be done. <laughs> and it's never about um, me or the minister behind the pulpit. It's always about God. Um, like Pastor said, it's a privilege to be of service. And we take it from there. Amen. Um, firstly, before I kick off, um, my wife and myself would just like to thank every saint for the messages of encouragement um, during um, our time of bereavement last week. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a difficult one due to the circumstances behind the family dynamics. Um, but nevertheless, we thank you for your support. It's highly appreciated. Amen. Amen. Um, right. First off, we can start off. Um, turn to our Bibles to Second Peter, verse one. Second Peter, chapter one, verse two. as follows grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord according to his divine power had given unto us all things that pertained unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that had called us to glory and virtue so it's not by our own ability it's not by our own wisdom whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperaments, and to temperaments patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Charity is love. Amen. We look at the pyramid, uh, the statue of a perfect man, and it's kept off by love. The last stone on the pyramid is love. The basis is faith. So without faith, you, with faith and without love, it's useless. You need both to be 
a statue of a perfect man. For if, there, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and had forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so, for so an in entrance shall be mis ministered unto you abundantly, unto the everlasting kingdom of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you away in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the pres present truth. Amen? Amen? As we bow our heads. Dear precious Heavenly Father, Lord God, Father, we have gathered, O oh God, we have read your scriptures, O oh Lord Father. But, O oh Lord, we ask now, O oh God, may you come and interpret, O oh God, what you have intended for us, O oh God. Father God, as we have gathered, O oh God, Father, may you come, O oh God, and Father God, share each the portion that you have prepared for us, O oh God. Father God, we came from far and wide, O oh God. Father God, and I pray, O oh God, Father, that O oh Lord, you would use my mortal lips, O oh God, to say, Father God, what needs to be said, O oh God. Father God, may you take control of my vocal cords, O oh God. Father God, may you bind my thoughts, O oh God. And may it be, Father God, that the message today would be, O oh God, straight from you, O oh God. Father God, I cannot, O oh God, Father, dictate to you, O oh God. But Father God, I am at your service, O oh God. I pray now, Father God, come and have preeminence, O oh God. Come and take control of this pulpit now, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Right, as we take the comfort of our seats. We can uh, turn to our Bibles again to... The book of John, chapter 15, verse 4. Right, it reads as follows. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye accept, expect ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered and men gathered them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. 
If ye abide in me, and my word abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Amen. Amen. I think that's quite a promise, that if you ask what you will, you will receive it. A few weeks ago, we had a quick chat outside, um, and we came to a conclusion of some sort that a genetically modified seed cannot reproduce. It is so much so that in the agricultural realm that if a farm is within, I think it's something like 20 closer than 20 kilometers of your farm and you are uh, GMO free, you're farming organically, within a matter of two or three seasons, your crop will also be GMO. So, the bad thing about the GMO is that it cannot reproduce. There's no life after that. And here, if we abide in Christ and He in us, we are GMO free today. We are also then able, because ultimately our purpose is to reproduce, to bring fruit forth. And if you are able to bring fruit forth, you are able to reproduce. That means that the fruit that you have brought forth will also be able to bring fruit forth. Amen? I would like to turn to Hebrews 11 verse 6. The Bible says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So again, faith and seeking God goes hand in hand. I was, for the last couple of weeks, months now, um, you look around at what is happening in South Africa, in the world, and one cannot but become quiet, um, especially if you are head of a house, if you are a provider to your family, and you look economically what is happening. I mean, um, the Reserve Bank hiked up uh, the interest rate with 50 basis points and now we as believers we look at that and we we want to stay we want to stay positive we want to believe that God has got this under his, his control and if we look at how things are unfolding it takes me back uh, to a story in the Bible in 1 Kings 
chapter 17, starting from verse 7. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. We, South Africa, might be blessed in the fact that we're still getting rain. It's actually strange. Uh, Limpopo received more rain now in the winter months than it, than it did in the summer months. So, but if we read further, the Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zareb, Zarepa, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarepha, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel, that I may drink. And as he was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, and fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me. And after make for me for thee and for thy son. For this said the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord send the rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and her, and, and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not. Neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. Amen. So this story is very encouraging. I look at this story and I look at our current trajectory that the country is going into, the world is going into. And I think our brethren from Zimbabwe would have the closest know or experience of what this felt like. That's right. Amen. To be able to wake up and not know where your next meal may come from. Amen. To wake up and not know how you will be able to feed your family. And yet you still stand and you still listen to the Word of God. Amen. Amen. I think that is encouraging. Amen. I think it, it's, it's honorable Amen. to be able to stand 
when there's nothing else that can keep you up except the Word of God. And here, if we look at this widow, how desperate she must have been, I think to utter the words, we're going to eat our last meal so that we can die. I think you pass the point of depression if you can utter those words. But it's amazing how she still went away and note how she was preparing to die. It's, it's clear. Because if you know life um, of this type of life where you had to gather wood, um, where the wood was your source of, of energy, um, you would tend to pick up more sticks so that you don't have to do that tomorrow. We do the same today. We buy electricity. You're not going to go and buy two units today, tomorrow morning, two units. No, you, because you know that you're going to need it tomorrow. And yet, this woman, she gave up all hope. She gave up all hope of living tomorrow because she only took two sticks and again brother Branham comes and he tells us those two sticks symbolizes the cross it shows the meeting point your way and his way what if you break that down again scientifically it can mean where your way meets his way, there's a burst of energy. There's fire, there's light, there's life there. But God has a way, God knows how to humble us. He'll take us and he squeezes every ounce out of you. And sometimes it's so difficult. Sometimes we claim we're just holding on. And that's maybe the mistake that we do. Is that we claim that we're holding on. We still think it's our ability. And it's not. I think of example, this platform here. If I asked uh, Brother Wesley to move from this point to that point, he would not hesitate. It will be an instant. Because he's still, still able to do that. I come to Brother Nelson. He might do a met some one or two, do a risk assessment, as we say, in the workplace, before he goes. And if it's an older brother, you might even ask for help. If it's a brother that knows that he did the sum, the risk assessment, and it's not his ability, he's not capable of doing that. He will turn back and look to God and use the stairs that was created. So, to the same here, when 
we get to a point where it's not our ability anymore. Then God can operate. And that is what, what God does. He would come and He allows situations to, to get to a situation where we need to realize it is not our ability anymore. And once you, you're able to do that, you realize that God has given us so much promises that God cannot fail us. That through it all, He is the constant one. But so many times, we tend to let the flesh dictate to us. The flesh dictate our ability. To what end we can still do certain things. And if we look at this story, this parable, it's clear that this widow realized that it's not in her power anymore. And it's really touching that when Elijah called, I mean, if, if you in the state of mind, do you still want to stop and listen? Do you still want to stop and be of service? Because everything is weighing you down. Everything feels so heavy. And she must have been at her weakest point. And this is where the paradox happens. Is that when you are at your weakest, God's strength is made perfect. And too many times, we tend to want to be stronger than, than, we, than we are. We want to look stronger. And it's not about what I can do. Because if I am vulnerable before God, if I show my weakness before God, His strength can be made perfect. And today, we see the same as this story in the bride. You look around the churches, you see the Pentecostals, it's one big building after big building, it's a mega church, it's no more just a big church, it's a mega church. Hmm? It gets so so full that uh, you go to church in sessions, hmm? we make space for you. Uh, you, you book your seat in church. And you as the bride sit there and you look at that and you wonder, but we, a handful, hmm? yeah, this was a, what, a three-bedroom house. Hmm? Sometimes we get excited because we run out of chairs. Yeah, it's looking good. But then you compare that to churches out there 
And that is exactly how God planned it. It's for this bride to look weak. This bride filled with nobodies. This bride filled with no nothings. To get to a point where she stands up. And because the devil is filled with so much pride, he won't see what's happening. He cannot see what's happening. He thinks that he's got this thing figured out because he looks around and he sees these mega churches exploding and imploding and just getting bigger. And he knows he's got control there. And here he passes by and he thinks, you know what? These little, this little flock, this little sheep, what are they doing? And just because of that, he will be confused when the bride takes a position. The day the bride steps in and his defeat is enforced. I want you to Here the emphasis is enforced. It's already given. But because we're still in a position of what we can do, we're prolonging the enforcement of his defeat. So this morning, as we look to this widow, our strength is not ours. Our ability is not ours. We need to be in a position where we can say, God, come and take control. Lord, this is yours. Father God, I am weak. I am vulnerable and forget that this is not about me but it's about you Lord and in this whole parable or this whole story throughout the Bible we hear a lot about vessels and this morning um, my sermon uh, title would be God uses empty vessels. So, if we know a vessel, um, throughout the ages, these vessels had a sense of value. I think Brother Andrew would know the value of an empty vessel. If he's preparing for his journey to to go to Zimbabwe, because he needs to fill up additional 25 liter drum of petrol or diesel because of the price of the fuel in Zimbabwe. So he knows the value of an 
empty 20 liter drum. And so throughout the ages, if we go back, the vessels then used to hold oil, it used to hold meal, it used to hold water. And if a vessel is to be used, you need to understand its purpose. You cannot take a vessel that is open and expect you to carry water from here to to the location. If it's open like that, it's going to splash the whole way. So each and every vessel needs to be have a certain carat, carat, characteristic. It needs to be able to fulfill a certain function. And if we are able to look at this and we see that every vessel is special in a certain way, then we can get happy and glad to understand that God has a purpose for us. If we understand the vessel, the value of the vessel, we'd understand our value and what God is intending to do for us. So, if we go to the... I'm just going to ask the brothers to help me with the um, spoken words. My table crashed this morning. Um, In the message, he swore by himself. 54, 12, 12, paragraph 102. These are... This is things that should make us excited. But I think bear with me, let me go through it, and then um, I hope and I trust that the the term that that I'm intending would uh, bear fruit. So the prophet says, Jesus Christ, no matter if he was in a storm and the gale is knocking the boat from one side to the other, or you are standing in a face, a mess of demons. If he was hanging anywhere, it would never move him. He walked right on, just as calm and quiet as he could be. Why? He was simply unconscious of fear or anything around him. That's right. Whatever it was going to, happen or whether it was, wasn't going to happen he knowed it was going to happen because God said so he didn't say oh have I prayed through wonder if I fasted long enough wonder if I did this he just walked right on unconscious that's right he believed what God said was truth the word must be fulfilled. And he knowed what his life was to fulfill. Then that's right. So it's not his ability. He knew that he had the ability. But he didn't because he knew that it was God's will that he had to follow. And you're here to fulfill it too. So this is for us now. Just walk 
unconscious of fear. Walk unconscious of criticism. Walk unconscious unto the world. Walk as you walk in Christ. Walk with Him. Not paying any attention the right or left hand. Just keep moving on. If something comes up in the church, walk with God. So it happens in church, in your house. Hallelujah. If sickness strikes you, walk with God. If the neighbor don't like you, walk with God. Just keep on walking with God. Enoch one day walked like that. You know what he done? He walked all the way home with God. Got so far up the road, he didn't want to come back anymore. Amen? I think we all hoping that we can have that type of walk. Walk with God. Doctor says you're going to die. Walk with God. I think Sister Skosana's testimony should encourage us, encourage us this morning. When the doctors look at you and they see no hope, they look at you and they feel they're wasting their time on you. You know who you're walking with. Doctors say you can't. Well, walk with God. Just walk with God. That's all. For God has promised you, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So that is our promise this morning. I will be with you to the end of the world. And He took an oath by the covenant that He gave give you that He would confirm it. Just walk with God. So it might be difficult. It might feel uncomfortable. The world might look at you and think, hey, I mean, I keep on hammering this because it might be something that I'm fighting. Where your own family think, hey, long dresses, no party, boring this, boring that. And it's not about them at the end of the day. It's about me and my walk with God. And I can only take on that promise if I do my part. Too many times we expect God to be like a lucky packet. You open it because you're expecting something in there. And it doesn't work like that. He doesn't work like that. He's not a lottery. He's not an instant fix. Even though he's got means and ways to take you through, get you through, but like a real parent's love, he'll teach you something out of it. Nothing will happen by accident. Nothing will happen just because he felt it. We look at the story of Job. And a lot of times if I think of that story, there's one thing that comes up. 
the fact that the devil had to go and ask permission from God. I mean, how valuable must you be? Hmm? And this morning I want to encourage you while I'm, I'm on that, is that in that moment when it seems so impossible, when it seems like if it's just not going your way, know that God is not, God doesn't tempt you, but He tests you. God does not tempt you. So a lot of times we're quick to say, hey, temptation, it's God that's tempting you. No. He's testing you. And why there's a difference between temptation and test? Because temptation is to let you fall. But the test is to let you grow out of it. The test is for you to develop. I mean, we look at our children at schools, and they go through a term it's one task after the next, even though sometimes we as parents take it personal. And at the end of the term, they have to go and write the test. No, I'm going to confess now. Uh, when I was studying, I never did accounting. Never. At school. And one of my subjects... Um, on studying part-time was accounting and my wife has a, a head for figures so it was easy first assignment she said from question number one to number 30 it was submitted second assignment And come end of the year, she looked me in the eye and she said, my husband, unfortunately I've done all that I can do for you. You have to go and write the exam. <laughs> and, you know, in, in that moment, now you start, first thing that happens is fear. Fear knocks at your door. I should have listened, I should have had explained more, I should have attended the, the classes, I should have, I should have. But nevertheless, I, I passed it. <laughs> By God's grace. And it had to come to a point where I had to realize that I need to do it for myself. Yeah. I had to let go of her ability to do for me. Yeah. And I had to come and realize that it is my turn now to do something. So, with God's walk, it's the same. Once you realize that it's not yours, it's His, you'll understand that He takes you from elevation to elevation. You'll have your ups and downs. Don't worry. You've got to go through rear patches over sharp rocks, over bluffs down, over the hillsides. Bro? 
up through the mountains, over waters, but walk with God. Yes, sir. There's so many hills to climb. Upward, you've heard the old song, but how little it'll seem when you get to the end of the way. My, my. Just look at there. All that's been looked back at your footprints won't be very much. Amen? So here the prophet just wants to highlight something and if you missed it, it's gone. It's not your... You feel like if you're walking mountain up over the rocks, but look at the footprints. If you look back, whose footprints are you going to be seeing? We know the, the story of the footprints footprints in the sand and if you ever have had the privilege of walking on a beach you'll understand that parable that story so much more you'll understand grace in the fact that when you look back and you see the footprints you'll realize but they are bigger you might be a size 6 or a size 10 but those footprints are much, much bigger. So, this promise that He'll never leave you nor forsake you, I think this widow had that in mind. Even though the situation, the circumstances did not have, there was no, there was no glimmer of hope. There was nothing. But still she walked with God. She continued walking with the Word. Had she forsaken the Word, she would never have heard the call from Elijah. She would never have answered his call. But because she knew the value of walking with God, she was able... And I mean, 2,000 years later, that same parable is still changing lives. That same parable, I mean, have we ever got still sometimes and thought, what if David refused to take food to his brothers? Hmm? Today's children will tell you they've got rights. Hmm? They even quote our, minutes, our ministers uneasy. Hmm? I mean, what, where would we have been? Hmm? So these heroes of faith had to overcome. They had to be obedient. Because had they failed, we would have missed them out. So we look at the message, perfect strength by perfect weakness, 61, double one, one nine. Yeah. From verse, from paragraph 42. We try to make our weakness excuses. Isn't that the same thing that Moses did? Jonah did it. Hmm? 
And here, 2,000 years later, it's repeating itself. We try to make our weaknesses excuses. I can't go to church. I'm not feeling well. I can't get up 2 o'clock in the morning to pray. It's too cold. Hmm? God gives you summer. Ooh, it's too hot. I can't sleep. Hmm? Hmm? So, it's just excuse after excuse. But the prophet said, we want to tell how big we are, how great we are. I think that's one of the things that I, God, gave me the text for, was to get that out of our minds. See? These little things that we do, and that's what we come to church for, it's to find out where our faults is. Hmm? What's the... Saying that iron sharpens iron. Hmm? Would you value a believer correcting you? Or would you value a sinner out in the street to correct you? So we come to church to find out where our faults is. And the things that we might better ourselves by. If we come to church for any other, any other object, then this, I'm afraid we've, we won't get too much out of coming to church. So basically he's saying that we're wasting our time. If you're coming here not to be corrected, you're coming to church not to be helped right, then you're wasting your time. We must come to find our weaknesses. Find our bad places and our how we see how little we are and put our trust in somebody that's strong. But when we have weakness, there's so many of us like to testify or like to think that we're insufficient and therefore we make that an excuse. I have no education. I have no ability. I'm unable to do this. And if you keep that up and do that in that way, keep going like that, then you can't amount to anything. But the very thing that we make excuses by our weaknesses, God uses that very thing to tackle the job with. See, He waits for us to get to that condition so that He can use us. We take the excuses and say, well, I I'm, I'm, can't do this. I'm insufficient. I can't do it. And God takes that very thing to do the job with. That's true. That's the reason why He chooses us because we in that condition. Yeah. Now, if you never get into the kitchen... I struggle with that now and then. When I help my wife in the kitchen, I'll tend to be doing the dishes. And where does this stay? No, in that cupboard. Okay. Uh, where does this come? No, in that cupboard. And it's not that. 
it's not my house, or, but it comes down to the fact that she is the mechanic, she's the artisan in that kitchen. She knows where everything comes because she puts it there for a reason. Brother Tlotti would know, I would pick up a screwdriver, want to go and work on a live wire, and I think he'll, before he'll say anything, he might just slap me from behind. And then explain to me, that screwdriver is not isolated. That screwdriver is not the right fit for that job. So too, God does it. He knows your condition. He knows your weakness. And your weakness is the exact tool that He needs. Your weakness is going to be perfected so that it can be used for something else, something greater. And a lot of times we miss that because we stare into this weakness. This weakness comes and we make it our ability. We make it about us. I can't do this because I stutter. I can't stand here because I'm shy. I cannot, I cannot talk to people. Um, my wife says I'm the shyest person she knows. I can walk into a room with strangers and walk out five hours later without saying a word. That is who I am. But here I am. My weakness is being used so that I can come and share the word of God. We will find out just as we have been reading that weakness and rejections and we find out that those people who are the weakest and the rejected by the outside world is God's heroes that conquer up in the front line takes those who are, are feel themselves unworthy so this morning you may look at yourself and you feel worthless you feel useless not a nice word to, to use, but I think it, it describes if something is useless. If, you, if a vessel is useless, what do you do? You're going to throw it away. You're not going to put it in the cupboard. And we, we tend to do that. We hoard things. And as a child, I could never understand. Once a year, we would do this exercise at home empty up the storeroom empty up the garage this stays goes back that box that went back last year is going next year why do we do it hmm? and it's the same in the spiritual world we tend to cling on to things that are useless we hold on to things that that feel it's weighing us down instead of taking it and using it taking it so that God can use it. I mean, if I should be a vessel, I would expect this vessel to shine, this vessel must conform to all the, the needs of the, the Master. 
and a lot of times we don't realize that that vessel might have a crack. We look at the vessel and we think it's useless. We look at that vessel and we, we see no value in it. And then God comes and He takes that vessel and He uses it. That we that stood and judged it, we're not shocked, we're ashamed. I'm one that I enjoy watching videos of gardening, even though I don't get there. And it's amazing how they can take a clay pot that's broken in pieces and just by adding the right flower in the right place, putting that broken vessel in the right place in the garden, it changes. It changes. the. That's where you see the value of that vessel. Me, that vessel, husband. Clark. Not one man's junk is another man's treasure. In this case, God knows the value. We sometimes are too harsh on ourselves. We, and by being so harsh on ourselves, we are not allowing God the freedom to work the way He wants to work. We hindering God from using us to the fullest of our potential. And even though it seems like if it's our fault, we we hindering God, we, we but God's got a purpose. And sometimes He lets you take the longer route. Sometimes He lets you go the longer way. Hmm? Jonah had to go via the, the belly of the whale because he chose. But now think of the testimony afterwards. So I don't say take the long route. I'm just saying let God do His way. Let it be God's will. And if we can do that, we'll see how a greater victory it is. Amen. We will value the victory. I mean, if we think of the war in Ukraine, if day one, Putin had to say, atomic bomb, poof, klar. You think he'll be satisfied with how the war went? Would that have been showing Russia's strength? No. And it's the same for Ukraine. They had this oomph when it started. We won't back down. We've got this. We've got this. And the more they push back, the more he just ups. One level up. Just when they think they've got this war figured out, Putin goes and he ups. And so too, God does the same with us. I can still jump. I don't need to do the risk assessment. Tomorrow, I'll use the pulpit to help me down. 
up to a point where I need to realize, listen here, I cannot do this. God has provided a way. God has made it easier for me. But we tend to look into this. And circumstances does that. We are blinded by the circumstances. Let's go to paragraph 49. If you notice in the Bible... It's always those who are trying to get away from it that God uses. As long as a man wants to do something and thinks he's got enough ability, he can put the job over. God could never use that man. Look at Moses running. Look at Paul running. And the rest of them trying to get away from it. I'd say, don't seek nothing. God has got anything for you. He'll give it to you. See? And just let Him, let him take care of that. I said, then you get some of these times like we got, have today, that everybody is wanting to do this and do that and become some great person. Look what we got into with it. You see? Instead of trying to be great, we ought to be trying. Trying to find out how little we can get. See, then God can use us. I got several scriptures written out there that I would, should be referring to, I suppose. But I probably won't have time to do it. But we are. Notice that it takes the weakest and the rejected. And practically every hero God ever had on the front line was that type of person. A person that was rejected. A person that thought he was insufficient. A person that had no ability at all. Then that person just in good shape. So God can start using them. That's right. It's when they feel like they, they can't, they haven't got nothing that's when god can take a hold of them and do something when when them see when but do you do something with them when but when we are thinking that we are able to do it then god can't use us because we wanting to do it ourselves and then the other side we get there feeling and we think that we're insufficient and we don't want to do it. But then if we just listen to the call of God, that's the very thing that God wants us to get into. That kind of a shape. So He can. So this widow, she had a look at what she had. She looked at the circumstances. I mean, if you see people dying around you and there's no hope and you've got this little bit, isn't it amazing that you can still be in tune with God? That in that circumstance, you do not let go of Him. And 
that little meal, little fire that she prepared, little oil she had, looked so insufficient. It looked like nothing because, I mean, if I must prepare my last meal, I would think it must last me at least two days or three days. Hmm? And she was ready that we don't know how long she suffered already. How hungry she must have been. And I think as a mother in that situation, your first instinct is to give your child first. To share. Because a mother's love is, is of that nature that there's six slices of bread. She's the first one to say, no, she's fine. She, she She's not hungry. You eat first. Your children eat first. So when we are insufficient ourselves, then we are subject to yield to God's Spirit. As long as we think that we can do it, then we can't do it. But when we get to a place where we know we can't do it, then we yield ourselves to God and He does it. So then if it's us Trying to do it will fail. But if we just yield ourselves to God and then God can't fail, there's only one thing that God cannot do, and that's fail. He can do anything else but fail. He cannot fail. Amen? I think we've, we privilege. I mean, that is a promise like none other, that He cannot fail. We limit Him. We are guilty for limiting Him. We the, the ones that put Him in a box and expect Him to operate in that box because we do not understand what limitless means. So we need to refocus, rethink what is it that we want to put in this box? Because if we limit Him, we cannot blame Him at the end of the day. So as long as we are trying in ourselves and depending on our own abilities and so forth, we'll be do well, do nothing. But when we get to a place where we know we're nothing, then God can use us. The important thing, one of the important things that we must master now, remember this, and especially you young preachers and lay members alike, there's one thing that we've got to master. If you expect to fulfill God's desire in your life, that is, we have to master the thoughts of human ability. If we ever get to a spot where we think that we can do it, with our own intelligence and our own abilities, we've got to master that in such a way that we can get rid of the things and lay it aside so that God can use us. That's right. So, if you... An advertisement of God. If you out there advertising Jesus Christ advertising the bride of Christ 
and you try and make it about you, you're going to fail. You are going to fail. But if you let it be about God, if you let it be about the bride, it will have so much more of an impact. It will have so much more of, of a, a work that you yourself will stand amazed. I mean, if, if you, especially the fathers, you cannot pick up the Bible in your house to read a scripture to your children. What do you expect your child to read? Who will be ministering to your child? So we must be careful what we allow. And that is because now we, we, we want to take some responsibility. It's the Sunday school teacher, it's the youth counselor, it's the pastor. And we need to take responsibility. We need to pick up that and make it about us first. And understand that we look at it and but my children reads English at school, they read better English, they read better, um, they understand English better than what I do. So you're making it about your ability again. Yeah. You're taking your weakness and you, you're trying to, to take your weakness and make it about yourself. And the thing is, with being a vessel of God, you need to be selfless. It cannot be about you. It cannot be. You need to, to be empty. In the spoken word, the Comforter 61, 1001E, Paragraph 96. The Hebrew children, when they were going to the fiery furnace, as we spoke of this morning, when they were walking to the fiery furnace to give their life, they had made their stand. As we spoke of this morning, but what happened to them? They said, our God is able. Not us, not our abilities, but our God is able. Amen. Right there they stood. They stood on what? What was their comfort? In a few minutes they would be burned to pieces. The furnace was heat seven times hotter than it ever was heat. But they had comfort. Why? Knowing this, that our God is able to deliver us from the angry fire. They, their comfort was resting upon the ability of the God that they served. Oh my! Resting upon His ability. That's my hope and my stay. 
I'm resting upon His ability. I'm resting upon His grace. Not upon what I am, what He is. I'm resting upon His promise because He made the promise and we swore to the promise. And I know that we have eternal life. That's right. So, we need to celebrate that there's a promise. We need to be glad for the promises. But now, we need to rest ashore in His ability. Not our own human ability. If we rest in His ability, then He has to keep His promise. Because He swore that He will. But now, this is where we need to take a detour or make a U-turn. God needs you to be empty. He needs an empty vessel to be able to use it. But now, the question that came up, how do we empty this vessel? Because we as human, a lot of time, it's about us. We fill this vessel, we say it's empty, but there's this hint of selfishness in there. This hint of what I can do. And if we look at what Moses had to go through, God took him, if it was today's age, he was learned. Pastor just said now that the pastor in, in Zim is a top surgeon. I mean, Moses, same story. Hmm? He had it all. We would say to nice, today he had nice life, hmm? nice life issues. I think hmm? we've got a saying: uh, he's got problems and money is not one of it. I think that that is Moses. But yet God took him to the outskirts. And God, it wasn't an easy process and a quick process. Note, emphasis on process. Your process, my process, it's not the same. Your fiery furnace and my fiery furnace, it's not the same. And this is where a lot of times we also make a mistake because we want to compare. Hmm? And the problem with that is you end up comparing with the wrong person. Hmm? You want to compare with a believer that's in the church for 25 years sitting in the same chair. Hmm? But that vessel is not empty. I'm moved by a young girl at the age of seven, eight years old, says to her father, listen, 
I want to do something for someone. Okay? As a parent, you allow the child, because you also want to see you inquisitive. But in the same breath, you're trying to teach your child something. This child says to the parent, listen, I realize on our way to church, there is so many beggars at the robots. And I cannot invite all of them to church. I cannot even invite one to church because I don't know the, the circumstance. I don't know the situation. And as a parent, you think, wow, you know what? This child, kind-hearted, this child comes back and says, but I want to do something. I want to reach out in a way. And this child then, by faith, goes into the grocery cupboard, gets a toothbrush, toothpaste, a vaslap, syrup, makes a little gift basket. That child have, has five people that she identified. Now you, as the driver, would think, stop here, here's number one. No, it's not that one. Next, robot. So you go the whole town looking for these five specific individuals. And in that basket there's a little note it says listen here I know it's not much but I want to tell you that God loves you hmm? and I am praying for you I'm like you know what a child to, to be able to do that at the age of seven or eight years it must talk of the father and the mother hmm? But in this week, two weeks that I was preparing, I was thinking of that story. And I realized it's not about the parents. It's about love. Divine love. And if we look at Jesus on the cross, I mean, it sounds so nice that he stayed on the cross because he loved us. Because he had me and you on, on his mind. But if we take a step back, Jesus was tempted. When the devil said to him, this is all yours, can all be yours. Last of the eye, as far as your eye can see. Last of the flesh, bread, it's yours. Hmm? The pride of life. Hmm? Think how great you'll be if you possess this. Hmm? And Jesus did one thing. He stood by the word. Hmm? Now, we take a step further back. Eve had the same three temptations. You surely won't die. 
your eyes you'll be able to see and you'll be like God isn't that the same trick of the devil isn't that the same trick that he plays on us today he tempts you with the same three things if it's not the flesh it's the lust of the eye if it's not the lust of the eye it's pride of life so now if you're walking around with your vessel and there's that in there how do you get rid of it how do you get to a point where you can empty your vessel completely and the only way is to stick with the word if the devil tempts you if the devil tries you if the devil comes your way you hit him with the word and why do we use the word because the word cannot fail and if we say the word cannot fail why is that because the word is god so ultimately we agree that god cannot fail so when that comes along we need to get to a point where we are able to recognize the attack and use the right arsenal for the attack we unfortunately get to a stage where we might be here in the church for 25 years and lack a basic necessity and that is love we said that the statue of a perfect man the basis is faith and the headstone is love so that says that we can ask anything we can have anything but because we lack love we don't have it we can move mountains paul says it can move mountains but it will mean nothing because you lack love and but we in church we love each other it's fine but god didn't intend it to be boxed in the four walls hmm? how often do you fail to recognize a stranger in need hmm? how often do you walk by someone that is desperate might not need to hear it but need to see Jesus Christ in living flesh and the only way that you can do that is if you've got love we sit here and a brother comes or a sister comes and has a testimony 
What do you do? Oh Lord, when is mine coming? Oh, don't pass me by, O oh gentle Savior. Hmm? Instead of taking the opportunity to ask God, God, use me in that way. Hmm? God, I am a vessel. Empty me so that you can use me. Hmm? Too often we sit and we want to grab at the wrong things. Hmm? We're plicking at the wrong fruit. That fruit is not ripe for you. Eat it. Hmm? It will be bitter in your belly. Hmm? But if you can sit and see, but God is moving. Hmm? Lord, let me be of service. Lord, use me. Hmm? And it's actually strange how pastor comes, how pastor comes and says, serving is a privilege. Hmm? But too many times we miss God's calling because we want to sit there and we want to moan and groan. Hmm? You clap hands for the testimony. But your heart is weighing down. Hmm? There's so much going on. So many promises. Hmm? And all that God is doing is testing you. Hmm? God is just testing you to see, listen, my child, are you ready to receive? Hmm? But no, we lack love. Hmm? This whole pastor spoke on, on the... It's like a tube from heaven with your blessings coming down. It's just for you. But we clog it up. Hmm? We clog it up. We've got faith. We can go to the fiery furnace now. But because we don't have love, we won't make it. Hmm? That blessings, it, it seems like if it's going good with you. I've got food on the table. My children are, are healthy. They, they, yay. God has so much more for you. Hmm? That is just, it's just spilling over. Because it's clogged. Your, your, your channel is clogged. Hmm? Because you lack love. Hmm? Have a little love and see that channel open. Hmm? I mean, you, you cannot sit here, year in and year out and don't have a testimony. Hmm? You can't sit, come week in, week out and not be able to go out here and touch someone's life. Hmm? Here's something that I saw now. Today, let's all just be thankful for the kind-hearted people who have touched our lives. Hmm? So, my question to you is, how many lives have you touched? And the first thing that comes to mind, my get me, I don't have. Hmm? I don't have. Why do we go there first? There's nothing as touching when you fellowshipping with a brother and he says, you know what? Last night, I woke up in the middle of the night 
and you were on my mind. I woke up and I prayed for you. Hmm? Isn't that love? Isn't that how it should be? Hmm? I don't need... I'm, it might seem like if I've got everything. But that prayer, that prayer meant the world to me. Hmm? That prayer might have saved my life. Hmm? We so often repeat it, we, we hammer on it, we can put it on repeat the whole day of how someone's life can be changed. Someone came to church, was ready to commit suicide. But we miss it because we lack love. I heard a story. This guy comes to church and while in the service, his phone rings. First thing, his wife nudges him. He looks around. The pastor stops preaching. The deacons, everyone. Hmm? What is going through that gentleman's mind? He leaves the service. He walks into a pub, into a bar, there at the Shabin. He takes his first drink and he spills. The bottle falls. What happens? The drunkards around him, they'll help him. Hmm? Hey, you, you seem to be shaking. Oh, we'll clean up the pieces. Don't cut yourself. Hmm? You look thirsty. Here's another one. Hmm? But why? Why did we miss it? Hmm? Instead, we sat here and we judged him. Hmm? We, myself, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I cannot hide. But we, we need to go back and do inspection, introspection. I'm not enticing you with all the promises that you missed, all the, the blessings that, that is clogged, it's not coming through. But for the mere fact that you, as a Christian, your responsibility. God didn't say, I love you because. But we do it. I cannot because. We need to go back and, and have a look. I think our lives would have been so much different if God did that with us. If God would come and say, I can't because. Hmm? I would be here with one shoe. Hmm? I would have one shoe on. I would probably be half crazy already. But because God doesn't do that. Hmm? Because God is divine love. And if we can just be a drop in the ocean of that love, think how much lives, how many lives we can change. How many lives we can touch. So, how do we get this love? The only way 
it's the word. You study the word. You, you spend time with God. I know today relationships are instant. Uh, I laugh. A lot of times some people say uh, this celebrity is going out with this celebrity. It's all over social media. But when they break up, they don't. It's not as public anymore. We were invested in that. Hmm? Shouldn't we be invested in God like that? Our relationship with God. Hmm? I mean, I understand years back when there was lack of technology. What do they say? Uchwahai. You come, you stay at the hostel here. And you see your, your family once a month. Hmm? Now technology has evolved to a point where I can see them every day when I, in an instant. Even though load shedding now and then, but it's there. It's the age that we're in. Hmm? But we fail to give God that. We want to make time for Him. Hmm? We want to... We're too busy. It's too cold. It's too hot. It's too... Oh, I'm tired today. But then, doesn't that then speak to the love that you've got? Doesn't that speak to the relationship? And then we tend to want to limit God because we are guilty of that. We are the ones that are guilty. And keeping the word is never easy. It's never easy on the flesh. It's trial after trial. And so many times, because we do not spend time with the Word, we end up back in bondage. The Israelites did it. They were longing for bondage. Because they lacked love. I mean, it's the same today. It was better in apartheid. Was it really? Hmm? it's easy to say it because now you, you think of the lack of water you think of so bondage was better for you and we do it in the Christian life as well hmm? we rather succumb to the devil's temptation than to stand with God's word we need to let the flesh die we need to understand that God loves you. And the only way that we'll be able to get this thing right is if we go back, back to the origin. Because in the origin, right back in the foundation, I am, I am there. I'm a seed. I'm loved. 
I am a God back there. So if I'm there and I'm a God, shouldn't I have love? Shouldn't I be filled with love? Shouldn't that love overflow? Sometimes it's, it's also risky. And that's why you need the word of the Lord as an anchor. You need it as much as it, as it holds you from drifting away. It needs to hold you up as well. It needs to be a pillar as well. Because today, people are... The devil is cunning. He sees your love for weakness. He sees your, your weakness, your kindness, and he misuses it. But think of it if you so in tune that you'll be able to identify a need. If you filled with so much love that you'll be able to see your brother's need before he asks. Hmm? Isn't that how we should be? Hmm? That is love. That is how Christ purposed it for us. That is how the bride should be operating today. So in closing... Um, the message beyond the curtain of time, paragraph 38, starting whatever you do, closer to the bottom, bro. prophet says, whatever you do, lay aside everything else until you get perfect love. Get to where you can love everybody, even every enemy. Eh? Today, we cannot even speak to our neighbors. Hmm? We cannot even greet our neighbors. So we moved to Leidenburg and we've got this, it's an older couple next door, they already retired and for the first few months they used to run if they see our vehicle pull up for the fear of greeting us or the fear that we might ask something and it made me realize that we need to show them that because they had this picture the first day we pulled up. These gaan geraas man. We wait for the first Friday. We'll see. Hmm? And it never happened. Hmm? But the prophet says that we need to get to where you can love everybody. Now, we had some electrical crises in, in Leidenburg the past, past few weeks. 
and we had to help each other out. We had to go and ask. They also had to confirm with us. Just to come and realize all that they want is an ear to listen. And the same thing he moaned and the old lady moaned with my wife. A week later, it's the same story I also heard it. Hmm? But, I mean, all that they wanted was just a little bit of love. Hmm? Just someone to be able to listen to them. Hmm? Even though they unpacked quite a bit, but it gave them the, the ability. Hmm? Now I've got the surety to say that tomorrow, if some, someone tries to break into my house, that old man is going to shout. That old man is going to raise the alarm. And he's got the same expectation on my side. So the prophet says, no matter if the plane is rocking, the lightning is flashing, or the guns of the enemy are upon you, these things do not matter. Get perfect love. We go to Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Paragraph 632. So this is how we empty those vessels. Love. Perfect love. We get rid of the things of the world and fill it with God's love. Prophet says, I love you. Don't forget the commandments of God to you. Little children, love one another. Love everybody, right or wrong. Sinner or saint, love them anyhow. If you don't, then pray God to help you. Because God loved the sinner. Hmm? God loved you. He loved me. Hmm? If I must look back, there are certain things I cannot share with my, with my children. How far back I was. Deep in the muddy clay. And God loved me enough to take me out. Clean me up. Shouldn't we also then replicate that love? In the message, Remembering the Lord... Paragraph 102. So to be a vessel, to be able to be used by God, you need to be empty. You need to be empty so that God can fill it. And let's remember Him now as we sing this song in the spirit of His presence. I love Him. If you dwell in love, you dwell in God. For God is love. They that dwell in God dwell in love. See, and love has no hatred. Love is not jealous. Love is not puffed up. Love doth not misbehave itself. Love is always gentle, sweet, forgiving, kind, no matter how bitter the others is, love remains 
itself. Love is the ultimate grace. Souls that are in prison now, paragraph 181. And I love you. That's right. But if I see that wouldn't be... But if I see that, wouldn't I be a hypocrite? Paul said. I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. May no woman's blood be upon me at the day or no man's. I've told you the truth and I've hated to do it. Not hating because I don't want to do what God tells me to do. But I love you. I don't want to hurt you. So what am I going to do? But pure divine love will, love will drive you to do it. Jesus even prayed to, judge, to dodge the cross. Is, is it possible that the cup should pass? said, nevertheless, not my will. Thine. Amen. So, when Paul said that we can move mountains, we can see miracles, we can do miracles, but if we lack love, it's nothing, it's useless. So, my prayer this morning, this afternoon, is that we would restore love. And love, those hearts and chocolates, those are emotions. Hmm? That is just emotions. Hmm? That you do when you're courting, if you're married, your wife, your children, you spoil them. But that is an emotion. Divine love is what we need. So that God can use us. So that our vessels, I mean, think of it, the day of judgment. God takes the vessels. My child, my vessel, you did well. Puts it. You did well. Then you come. This one still has something in it. It must not go back. How would that feel? So my encouragement... My prayer, my heart's desire is for us to come back and find God's love. Let's restore love, divine love. Amen. As the musicians come.
heads are bowed. So I Spirit says there is lack of love. It wasn't Brother Watt speaking, it was the Holy Spirit speaking through him. Brother Rumi says, No matter, even if the guns of the enemy are aimed at you, doesn't matter. Get that perfect love. Because God is love. I like it when it says love has no jealousy. Love has no hatred. Love is not impatient. Love is not selfish. Love does not seek things for its own. And brother says, if I ever get to a point where I don't have love, then I've secured my place at the altar. And it says, because iniquity abounds, the love of many is becoming cold. May your love never be cold. Your love for God, your love for this message, your love for your fellow brothers and your fellow sisters. I like how somebody said, but they step on my toes. And the answer was, be thankful that you've got toes. We're going to pray. If you want us to remember you in prayer, we're going to remember you in prayer.
our gracious heavenly father our brother was showing how important it is that you use empty vessels there's never been a time where you ever used a man or a woman until first you emptied them first you empty the world, you empty sin, you empty malice, you empty hatred, you may empty indifferences, you empty a host of all things so that you can feel a man and a woman with yourself. And Lord, it was the tail end of the service the Holy Spirit is zoomed in on love. It has become scarcity in the end time to love one another unconditionally. Help us, dear God, to have love. But we can only have love when you feel us with yourself. Can't be me loving my brother should be God in me loving my brother. Should be God in me loving my sister. Making me sensitive to that love. Jesus, when you were here on earth, you said, how will people know that you are my disciples? You never said because there will be miracles among you. Not because of eloquent speeches among you. He said, when you love one another, people will know that you are my disciples. Your prophet comes in the end time. He says, the beauty of the church is the character of its people. What's that character? It has to be a character of love. A character of forgiveness. A character of patience. A character where I know I am my brother's keeper. I am my sister's keeper. We live during a time where we want to win arguments when we lose people that we win arguments over. But dear God, from henceforth, let us not win arguments. Let us win our brothers and our sisters. You have used our brother. He spoke to us in a very gentle but yet firm manner. We have heard you. That's the reason we were here. As the quote that he read, we are here so that our weaknesses can be exposed. We are here so that our faults can be exposed. So that we can raise our hands and say, Lord, forgive me for trespassing against your weight. And dear God, many times we are guilty of having ill feelings towards one another. But remove that spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. May you make every brother and every sister an overcomer this afternoon. And to be able to reach out from the depth of their hearts. And say, brother, I forgive him. I forgive them. Even before they ask for forgiveness. Because Christ, when he was hanging on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Even this afternoon we say, forgive them 
for they don't know what they are doing. Why do we forgive? It is the nature of God in us. Why do we love? It is the nature of God in us. Oh, it reminds me of the yesteryears when a person walked among message believers. The first thing that moved us in those yesteryears is the love that was prevailing among believers. But today you walk among believers is politics. This one against that one. But today by grace, we are bringing all those walls of hatred down. We are bringing all those walls of indifferences down. Oh, thank you, dear God, for this message. Thank you for the quotations that came. They spoke to us in a specific manner. I pray for families that are here. Sometimes Brother Mum says families, the real family life is running into the shallow water. And he says many a times is because there is neglect in the family. They neglect for love. May you restore the love that husbands used to have for their wives. Oh God, may we love our wives the way Christ loves his own church. That he was prepared to die for the church. Oh God, may you restore respect that sisters used to have for their husbands. Because that is the scripture. Husbands love your wives and wives respect your husbands. May, dear God, our families be the habitation of love. The habitation of the Holy Spirit. The habitation of every wholesome thing that we can sing songs in our homes and this message can have an effect in our homes. Our young people are here. I know most of the times they may be at loggerheads with their parents over various things. Reveal it to them that the reason parents lead them this way it is because it is an act of love. Friends don't love them. Friends will mislead them. Friends will destroy them. We have seen destruction after destruction being orchestrated by friends. But there is nothing that can replace a mother's love. May you reveal it to them, dear God, that the parents have walked this path this way. The parents have been young before and they know how vicious the devil can be in one's youth. That's why they wash them and bath them and bring them to the house of the Lord so that they hear the gospel. And this gospel will cherish and this gospel will be cherished by them later in life and will retain them and preserve them. I know there are young mothers that are here. They used to be young, but they were raised by godly parents. And today they can say, I am what I am because of my parents. And they have a desire that the other children can one day say, I am what I am because of my parents. Satan, I have a message for you. You were defeated on the cross. I'm here to enforce your defeat. If there is anyone that you have tied them, right now we loosen the chains in the name of Jesus Christ. We break the chains that you may have bound our young people with. We break the chains that you may have bound marriages with. 
whatever chains that you have, it cannot stand at this juncture. I break it in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Holy Spirit move into every heart and be the after speaker. And when they go home, may they reflect on what they have had. Oh, thank you, dear God. Restore the virtue that your servant has lost. Bless him and bless his family. And keep on, dear God, unfolding and unfolding yourself more and more to you, to him, so that he can become of a better service to your people. We ask these things believing in the most gracious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. All right. It was mouthful. How many agree? It was mouthful. God bless you, brother. What a round of applause for you. There is a song that such love, such love, such wondrous love that God could love a sinner such as I. How, how wonderful. Can we sing it? Are there sinners in the building that were saved by this wonderful love? You know, these young ones, we need to teach them. You old timers, before you leave the earth, you need to teach these ones, these ones. Are we together? Uh, these are our heritage. Songs of worship is? Songs of worship is? Yeah, uh, fashioning. Ah, this one will never go out of fashion. Even when we are with white beards, many years down the line, we'll still say, God, that God should love a sinner such as I. Isn't and I love this song. Yes. Yeah? Hey, I wonder if this is a serious thing. Oh, no, we'll teach them. Just sing it, and then they will, they will follow. Yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah, the Angelus protests, so we know it. Maybe, maybe let's, let's, let's stop. I want to, them to start.
Isn't it a beautiful song? Yeah. Uh, let, let's teach. You know, we'll be listening more to the tapes. Because every tape has got a song for the message. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, uh, some, uh, it's somebody that is not here. The other time was trying to stream our service. Then it was a tape. Then he sent me a message. He says, ah, are you not preaching? It's a tape. I say, the tape is the greatest preacher. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you are a believer, you listen to what? To the tapes. You really listen to them in your car. Basalan will influence even the music. Amen. There is another one. It, this one, I love it so much. Let me walk with you, Jesus. This one, you can't dance kwasa kwasa when you sing them. It's the songs of the heart. Isn't it? Let me let me walk with you, Jesus. Is this the right? Not feel my way with love, no. It says, let me walk with you, Jesus. I love it. It says, I've been on the mountain with Jesus. I've been in the valley so low, but not one time has he failed me. When to him... With my burdens, I go. Can we sing this one?
Listen, neighbors are so kind. I love them so dearly. But where could I go but to the Lord? Shall we sing that one? I taught them a song then, Zimbabwe. It went very well. Absolutely went very well. Uh, but it was, it was off record. As the pastor say, keep it off record. But they sang it very well. They said, now this is our song. Where could I go? You know, Brother Watt speaks about how that widow, God provided for her needs. We don't look at the world economy. We look at the heavenly economy. God will never be stop being a Jehovah Jireh because of some president. No, 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 no. When you, when you are a believer, look for God in the midst of chaos. There is something that he wants to do for his children. In the midst of chaos, there is always an opportunity for God to bless his children. Let's sing it. And then after the choir will come, they sang very well, good music, then they come and sing that song one more time to dismiss us. I like good music. I like good weight, good music, and good food. Amen. Those, they keep me going. If you have good music, good weight, uh, and good food, uh, you can have me for a long time. Amen. Living below in this all sinful world, hardly a comfort can afford. Striving alone to face temptation, call, where could I go but to the Lord? The temptation is of the devil, but the testing is of God. 
I hope you heard that. Church, sing with them.
Gaining tool that I am. Amen. So, Stalorin, we appreciate the song testimony. Don't disappear. Amen. We appreciate you are singing. And we appreciate every musician that is putting their shoulder on the wheel to render a service for God. Amen. Even if you've got to be the only one that sings every Sunday, be that one. Amen. They say that God, that's my post of duty. Amen. A brother had a stroke, half of his side was paralyzed, and he says he was there on the hospital bed. All he could see was saying, Lord, if you can only heal me, I will never stop raising my hands in church. Amen. Do you think he will stop after God had healed him? No. He never stopped. So behind your praise, there is a story. Amen. All right, over back to you, to the choir, sing for us. And after you are dismissed. God bless you till I see you next Sunday.
Zeit sind da.